This is a HeadGum Podcast. Andrew, you've probably heard about microdosing. I have. It's when you dose, but just a little bit. Yeah. We just take a little tiny little dose. Just a little bit. And if you hadn't, just know that all sorts of people are microdosing daily to feel healthier and perform better. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Okay. You're kind well, of making me feel peer pressured, though. Can, can you... Can you <laughs> I just want you to know that Overdue (laughs) is sponsored today by Microdose Gummies, which deliver entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. You can use them to help get in the zone and focus or to wind down at night. They're vegan-friendly, gluten-free, and infused with Oregon-grown berries. Um, I know folks who microdose as part of their end-of-day routine because it's a great way to get into that time to chill out with a book headspace. (laughs) Uh, so microdose is available nationwide to learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code overdue to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com code overdue. podcast about the books you've been meaning to read my name is craig my name is andrew smooth flying low under the radar this yeah <laughs> i figured i would kind of sneak in i didn't have like big like carnival barker energy mm-hmm. we're just, back we can't someone tell us <laughs> how many episodes have started with we're back because we've done it i'm gonna guess five times but as many as 12. The, if you're talking about recent history or the entire like entire run, <laughs> entire probably run, probably a lot of times. Yeah. Um, and this, you know, sometimes you just want to bring the plane in for a smooth landing, let people know that they're taken care of, that, you know, maybe this podcast won't like get them all like ready to run through a brick wall. Maybe it'll mm-hmm. get them to run to bed and lie down. Mm-hmm. That's a good goal too. <laughs> our, our book, po- the normal tone with our book podcast, where every week one of us reads a book that we've never read before and tells the other person about it. Normally, we're trying to amp you up, get you to run through a wall like the Kool Aid Man. Yeah. But this episode of the book podcast, we'd like it to be just like cozy and low key. Yeah, we can we can mix it up. Mm-hmm. I don't know that we are especially cozy and low key. May, we mm-hmm. may not be causing people to pump iron every week but i wouldn't say that we are i don't know people maybe find us relaxing people people do all kinds of stuff while they listen to podcasts and i just they can they whatever that is they can keep doing it do please let us know if you're pumping iron to our podcast though what parts get you through um andrew you are not pumping iron this week to my knowledge no i have i have pumped a book into my brain. Yeah, you did. That book is Every Heart a Doorway, uh, which is book one in the Wayward Children series by uh, Sean McGuire. Mm-hmm. That's the book. And there are yep. hearts and doorways in it. I mean, the heart is more of a metaphorical, like it's, you know, it's your, it's not like a literal, like heart that was pulled out of somebody's body. And that, it's a possibility with the book, so I'm oh, <laughs> I'm making okay. sure to to, to uh, talk about that up front. But no, it's not like a literal heart, but they are literal doorways. Okay, sure. 
Um, this book won. It did the like the trio of the the Hugo, the Nebula, the Locust for novella in 2017, I think, because it was published in 2016. Yeah, published in 2016. Uh, and then it also won an Alex Award from the ALA. Uh, and yeah, McGuire's been around for a little while now. Born in 1978, went to UC Berkeley. He's been publishing stuff. I think her debut work, Rosemary and Rue, was in 2009. That is part of the 15 novel October Day series. Andrew. Ooh. Yeah, the, the, Every Heart of Doorway is published in 2016, and there are like seven or eight of these things already. Yeah, like. se- the seventh book came out this past January. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, she's prolific. She's also got uh, a pseudonym that she writes under, Mira Grant, where she writes a lot more of her like sci-fi-y, for lack of a better term, stuff. Mm-hmm. Um more broadly, I think she, you know, uses the term urban fantasy a lot for her work. I think that's what the uh, the October Day novels are considered. I don't know. This just feels like it's fantasy, right? This is just fantasy. Yeah, this is fantasy. It's portal fantasy. I understand. Port- <laughs> portal fantasy. I didn't know that we had established a like a hyper specific genre for this kind of fantasy, but yes, portal fantasy, which is a sort of an Alice in Wonderland or a Chronicles of Narnia thing where you find a door that is a portal to another world and the two worlds do not meet or have anything to do with each other. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously there are there is portal fiction that has played with that trope, but yeah, it is often... I, I've read a whole article about it and it, it included things like Outlander because of the time travel and... Out, you know, Alice in Wonderland, uh, and it then put then it said Star Trek because of wormhole episodes, I guess. Okay, yeah, I mean, I guess. <laughs> a, a broad, broadly speaking, you are going. You know, my brain went, of course, to the classic uh, Saturday morning Dungeons and Dragons cartoon, where I think a bunch of kids go on a roller coaster and then up end up in Dungeons and Dragons. Is Land of the Lost where they yes. fall down the sleep stacks? Yeah, yeah, they fall down into the earth in the car. That's one. Now, this is not to be confused with an intrusion fantasy. Where Whoa. the the magic comes Whoa. into your world. Mm-hmm. Um, this uh, this is from a book called Rhetorics of Fantasy by Farrah Mendelssohn, and examples include Dracula and Mary Poppins. Sure. Um, anyway, let's talk about Sean and over. Do you think here. they're friends? Do you think they know each other? Oh, oh, Mary Poppins and Dracula. Oh my God, Mary Poppins. We talked we talked about that. She might be a Dracula. Mm. Who's she might more be. powerful? Yeah, and I mean, she's probably only friends with drifters, so she can suck the blood out of them <laughs> later. Who'd so, win in yeah. a fight, Mary Poppins or Goku? Wow. Well, I mean, does Go- does Goku win fights? It seems like he's he just constantly them so beating that- people, like fighting people to a draw so that they can fight it again more later. Yeah, he just really wants to to have a good fight mary poppins finishes things she does she puts that's things what you away. can say and she would put goku into her magic bag and be done with him <laughs> um mcguire as i said is all sorts of things um i among different interviews a list of things that she has done 
that I found. She's a poet. She's a magician. Not a magician. A musician. Excuse me. She might be a magician. <laughs> D- different. different. Uh, Maybe a- she's a magician on the on the piano. <laughs> A cartoonist, a blogger, a novelist, an animal rescuer, a stand-up comedian, a filker, Andrew. We've talked about filking before. You remember okay, what but filking just remi- is? remind everybody at home what it is. Oh, great. Andrew, I, I remember. As but. you definitely know, filking mm-hmm. is uh, kind of like sci-fi fantasy con-inspired folk music. It is basically mm. parody and not necessarily all parody, but it is largely folk and other genres derived from like kind of fandom culture at this point. It's um, so like that Game of Thrones episode with Ed Sheeran in it. That, <laughs> I would love, We I know when we've talked about fucking before, people have weighed in via email and social media. Please tell us what you think about whether or not that Ed Sheeran song is filk music. <laughs> I did learn this time that filk music got its name because a guy did a typo on a typewriter. Boy. <laughs> he meant to do folk music at conventions and he typed filk I wonder, music. I wonder if that's what happened with the Star Wars music. Um, Possibly. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, she, if you don't understand that reference, email us and we'll explain yeah, it. We'll it's, this is a family show, though. Uh, so. in, in a phrase I used a lot as a kid, we'll tell you at recess. It's fine. We'll tell you at recess. Um, the one of the series that she has written a lot under Mira Grant is the News Flesh trilogy, which is about a zombie apocalypse. Um, I think like the setup is that it like they get through it and then twenty years later it's like managed and there's it's just around. Um, and apparently bloggers are the key to spreading the information. Okay. And saving the world. Um, on her pseudonym and use of it, we've had a lot of writers kind of say similar things. There's never been any illusion that Mira wasn't me when I was first writing Feed. I talked about it very openly on my blog that I was writing this book, and it wasn't up until after it was sold that I said Mira Grant wrote this book. And the reason that was really purely marketing-based. It was so that my urban fantasy fans would see, okay, this is a Mira Grant book. There is a difference. Um And she just seems like she's pretty savvy about that whole thing in a way that it's like she's not doing the clandestine pseudonym Mm -hmm. to like sneak a a different style of book. It is like literally just like a brand. Mm -hmm. Like it comes from that label. I think in one interview she likened it to the like the Disney slash Touchtone split okay i just i also was just wondering if maybe that helps her keep the the folders on her computer in order (laughs) yeah probably just given the amount that she writes that's that's probably true um as we've talked about uh there are seven currently novels in this series um grimdark magazine uh asked her like oh lots of people talk about um you know this series being one that you can just dive into and she said i will never recommending reading anything but in order and the books are not actually written as standalone some of them require more or less background but all are informed by what comes either before or after i don't know why people keep saying the series contains standalone installments (laughs) i mean probably because they literally physically come as standalone installments is probably one one thing that encourages people to make that it's not a seven book movie. Uh, I think the other um, thing, right, is the series, each book, uh, the odd number books, I think, take place outside of a portal. Wor- like in, I don't know, you'll tell me like how the worlds work. Yeah. It's my understanding that 
the even numbered books in the series mostly take place like in a particular portal world Mm -hmm. and the odd numbered books take place back where all of the characters like are in i don't know what the real world is our it's it's the real world it's like our functionally our world even though sure yeah it's not like everybody's talking about iphones or whatever you know what (laughs) what do people talk about in the real world iphones roblox inflation uh burgers (laughs) it's summer um and this book got published uh the this guy who uh, lee harris over at tor was like starting an imprint um and had like came to her and was like pitch me something I need to. St- I'm starting this imprint through Macmillan. I need books. I don't have a lot of money, which means I won't bug you. Like you could just write the book you want to write. And she was like, "All right, cool. It's like a portal book." And he's like, "I don't know if anybody will read it." And th- it, people did. <laughs> so he was wrong, <laughs> but he he made a good decision. But he was also wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, you can you can make the right decision for the wrong reason, and the outcome can be the same. Sure, sure. Um, and then the last thing she just kind of speaks in this Nerdist article about uh, like portal fantasy. While this was going on, uh, she's talking about the stories that she's reading as a kid. I was a child in the 80s, which is really the resurgence of portal fantasy in at least the American consciousness. We don't think of 1980s children cartoon properties as being portal fantasies, but they very much were. They were commercials, and they wanted you as the child watching to imagine yourself having these great adventures. You'd have the dino saucers or transformers or care bears, depending on which side of the franchise you were on, having these grand, glorious intensely dangerous adventures with a small kidnapped human child around (laughs) to observe on it for the audience at home and those really are by definition portal fantasies which is kind of fun that's that is fun i i don't even think that she needs to stretch that far like we already talked about land of the lost yeah uh, yeah. captain n the game master oh my god obviously a portal fantasy that is a portal into his nintendo yeah like there are other kids getting sucked into stuff yeah, right. <laughs> but yeah, it was always like here all of the toys are doing something and then there's a kid who's there going, "Wow, toys." Mm-hmm. That's a lot of how those cartoons went. Yeah, you need like a a kid who functionally like I'm just I guess I'm just thinking about Transformers where the kid is functionally a pet for the oh robot aliens. <laughs> I don't like to think about him getting in the cars, which he can do and does a lot. Um <laughs> If like you just don't don't want them to transform with you inside, I just don't. I wouldn't. No, I thank bet you. there's a Transformer comic where that happens and it's messed up. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I guess just the last thing I would like. She's so prolific, and we've yeah. read so many other sci-fi authors, and it's just like I think every sci-fi author has two phases, right? It's like their early super prolific period. Mm. And then later when they're in their sixties and seventies and they write one book every 13 years yeah. and it's, it's like, I'm, I'm happy to have caught her during her prolific phase. Oh yeah, sure. That's cool. But, you know, before, I mean, and, and she'll, she'll have a, a well-deserved uh, reputation as an elder States person mm-hmm. of like the fantasy genre. But yeah. She won't actually be writing all that much anymore, or she'll be like doing TV or whatever George R. R. Martin is doing. Yeah, she's done with his time. She's done like tie-in stuff. I did want to mention that. Like she's done um, in her prolific period. She's done 
like Spider Gwen for Marvel. She's, ah, yes, yeah, yeah. She's done some Magic the Gathering stories, which that's I don't even know anything about the Magic the Gathering lore. That seems like you can get away with a lot in there. Uh, <laughs> she wrote some Star Wars stuff. So Overwatch. They let anybody, they let anybody do that. Yeah, well, they let anybody they let write Mira Star Wars Grant these days. Um, mm-hmm. Not to diminish her accomplishments. No, I'm, but yes. I'm, be, I'm being, I'm being tongue, tongue in cheek. <laughs> but. Uh, but no, she's just like it seems like she is living the life of a of a successful fantasy sci-fi writer. That if I were trying to be one, I would like to be yeah, half as successful you would wanna, as she is. You want to be doing exactly as well as she is. Yeah, I would take it. But I, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, that'd be great. Let's let's let me ponder why I'm not as successful as she is for a few minutes. We'll take a quick break and then you can tell me about the book. Okay. Andrew, I'm thinking of becoming a super successful sci-fi fantasy writer. Yeah, but I feel like I'm missing something. Mm-hmm. I, is it is it any story ideas or written manuscripts? No, I've, is that what I've de- I'll figure those out. You'll and, get that sorted. Okay. Yeah, but I really don't know how people are gonna find all the cool stories that I write, or like how they're gonna send me lovely emails about what my work means to them. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like what you need is a web presence. Oh, and if you need if you need a web presence. There's no better place to get one than Squarespace. Squarespace ah. is a website that helps you make websites. They have beautiful templates, drag and drop tools, and all kinds of stuff that helps you design a very nice looking website with no little to no technical know-how, I would I would say. So I could it's show the amount off, of technical yeah. know-how that you need, yes. Just as I have, you know, little to no technical know-how of writing sci-fi and fantasy novels, but I'll, I'll clearly I'll be a success. Right, um, like if if you could find a Squarespace of writing fantasy novels, let's just say that you would be on living on easy street. Yeah, but Squarespace right. has the website end of it all sewn up. Squarespace helps you grow and engage your audience with email campaigns, create powerful email content that matches your website with your existing products, blog posts, and logo, so your messaging is consistent and effective. In this case, your messaging is buy my books. <laughs> Uh, You can support your cause by gathering contributions with PayPal, Apple Pay, Stripe, and Venmo. And you can gain powerful insights into who's visiting your site and how they're interacting with your content with in-depth website analytics tools, including page views, traffic sources, time on site, and a whole lot more. And if you post any like preview chapters of the stuff Mm. that you write up on your Squarespace website, uh, you own it. You own all the content you put on Squarespace, uh, and they offer one-click data portability if you ever want to go somewhere else for some reason. One click data portability. <laughs> yeah, this is this is this portal isn't a fantasy. <laughs> Gee whiz. Uh, so if this sounds good to you, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the URL squarespace.com slash overdue to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash overdue to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace. Fall into the portal. Craig, you're writing a fantasy book. This is a high risk. It is job. It's a high. It's one. It's a dirty job. It'll be on the show. Dirty jobs. A lot of paper and you, cuts. And you're writing, and your big fancy quill slips 
and you st- stab yourself in the leg with it. Oh no! And now I you need, need a doctor. doctor. Now you need a doctor. <laughs> if has this ever happened to you? If it has, you need to go to Zocdoc. Okay, that's our other sponsor this week. Uh, Zocdoc is a free app that shows you doctors who are patient reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them. Right now, including possibly right now, <laughs> uh, you can read up on local doctors, get verified patient reviews, and see what other real humans had to say about their visit. So when you walk into that doctor's office, you're set up to see someone in your network who gets you, mm. who gets you. That's Go to important. Zocdoc.com, choose a time slot and whether you want to see the doctor in person or do a video visit, and just like that, you're booked. Find the doctor that is right for you and book an appointment that works for your schedule. Uh, I've used ZocDoc to schedule dentist appointments, uh, eye exams, uh, general checkups. I've used them to look up specialists for other stuff, like Mm. when my body is doing something new that I don't understand. (laughs) (laughs) And I really like how you can fill out a lot of your paperwork right from the site before you set foot in the waiting room. So uh, go to ZocDoc.com slash overdue and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then start your search for a top rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's ZocDoc.com slash overdue. ZocDoc.com slash overdue. In addition to this being a portal fantasy, Andrew, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I also read that it had a lot of the uh, uh, kids at a boarding school British children's fiction. It has thing. some of that, yeah. It has right. the, tini- the tiniest smidge of Harry Potter. Not to you know, not yeah. that's not the only uh, example of that genre, but it's the big one. So it's the big one. I was reading like the Magicians, which I read for the show a while ago. Like pinged a lot as I was doing research here. Um, but yeah, tell me about this, where are these, these characters and where they are basic questions. So what we, okay, I guess I want to start up front. So this book is what, like 173 pages long. Yeah. It's a novella. Uh, it's not, it's not super long. And so what I want to say up front is that I really like the idea and the world building and some of the character development and like the actual like story plot part fell a little short for me because it just didn't feel like I had enough time to breathe. Yeah. And I saw, I saw that like that was something I saw a few times in the like professional reviews I read. It showed up all over the three star Goodreads reviews. It did. Yeah. Um, from people who read it. So yeah, I'll just, I'll say upfront that I, I agree with that and it is like, it's just a function of the kind of book it is. Um, I saw one person I, came back yeah. to Goodreads and was like, my initial review was based on my expectation that this was a novel. It's a novella. I'm sorry. I really loved it. <laughs> and it was like, okay, that's fine. It's, yeah. it, it seemed like people, one person said it was a book without a middle. It's that, that is very true. Cause if, not to Harry Potter is the one that I've read. So I'm yeah. going to, I'm going to come back to that a few times, even though there's a lot of stuff in in every heart of doorway that JK Rowling might have some tweets about Jesus. Ugh. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, the thing that that first Harry Potter book does so well is it keeps like, it keeps building mystery while also like plausibly interweaving it with normal, like mm. school, like I'm, yeah. I'm going to school, identifiable school stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I'm, adhering to this routine but i'm also like a fish out of water a little bit and i'm still learning the ropes in this in this world i think that's why the boarding school trope is a thing is it's like a it it is a you you have an opportunity to set up 
cultures and kind of subcultures within that system um, to play with audience expectations of their own experience with that system. Um, so it's not like full on fantasy world building, but you are like you have an opportunity there to, to set a lot of stuff up. Yeah. Yeah. And and so, you know, that that's my main criticism that I just kind of want to get out of the way up top, which will come back at the end just because sure. that, that it informs how I feel about how the book ends. Yeah. But, the, you know, the, the mitigating factor. And I think we talked about this a little bit when I read um, the uh, Sandry's book. Oh, yeah. Yeah a few weeks ago is like there are just like a bunch more of these that if the first book is like i like this but there wasn't enough of it you could just like pick it up and keep going and it's not how the it's not how how the show works and i'm just acknowledging that like yeah functional shortcoming sure sure i did find out there was a helpful article i found on it was the same article the nerdist article that had that quote i read earlier um i think where she goes down like all of the books to like with a not some of them might get a little spoilery if you like but she does her best to just say like this is what each book is kind of up to Mm -hmm. um which if you like read this one if you feel kind of how andrew feels and you want to know if you want to press onward like maybe give that a Nerdist article a read and be like oh that's what's happening in the later parts of the series yeah um anyway so okay tell me about What's happening in this book? Yeah, so uh, the premise of the book is that what if what if every kid who found their way into a magical portal and mm. then went and spent a bunch of their time, y- years could pass for them in this magical portal. They portal they could they could grow up, they could become adults. What happens when these people come back to exactly the time and place that they left the world? Sometimes back to their kid bodies. Sometimes the time difference has, has been preserved and they're just like suddenly six years older, even though only a few weeks have passed in in the real world. What if all of these people were like profoundly messed up? Yeah. And traumatized by the whiplash of this, like specifically there are a few different things that are hinted at that we don't get to see. Like there's another like subgroup of these kids who want to forget and who do want to like integrate back into the, into the real world and just like pick their lives back up and they feel more comfortable that way. This book is more focused on the people who really came to think of their like magical portal worlds as home and so suddenly find themselves ripped away from their homes and thrust back into a society that d- does not care to understand them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's the so that's the background. Um, okay. To, there is more world building going on in the so no one world. We don't hear a ton about any one world. The one we hear the most about is the one that the protagonist of this book, Nancy, was in, which basically sounds like more or less greek hades oh it's like an underworld land of the dead thing where they just start munching on pomegranates all the time <laughs> uh, okay so, like the video game hades i would like the, there well yeah it based on the video game hades and also on the you know millennia old uh mythological you, well, yeah you that was all thing you i heard, know that was all based about- on hades that i i'm familiar <laughs> 
familiar that they based a whole cosmology on a really dope video game. I a really dope video now. game yeah. that came out pretty recently. Yeah, honestly. Yeah. Um, or maybe they've just been like porting that video game, like they ported it all the way up from Papyrus to <laughs> Nintendo Switch. About, now I'm just thinking about Sophocles playing Switch, and it's like really getting me excited. <laughs> <laughs> um man what were we talking about we don't learn a ton about any one world other than hers like but but we do get glimpses into a bunch of them and then you also through the people who run the magical school kind of get a sense of how they have organized like they, they have tried to sort of catalog the types of worlds that kids fall into and this is this is the kind of thing that i like that I don't know, like some kinds of anthology fiction and a lot of like fantasy and sci-fi gets to play in sometimes where you get to invent like one quick fire, like one rapid fire idea for a universe or a world, but then you don't have to explore yeah. or fill in or explain like anything else about it. You just like see it for a second it's why and then the, you're it's gone. The the doors, the, the doors that we don't see Jack Skellington go into. Like what's yeah. Easter yeah. world or what, what is Easter? What is that bunny doing back there? Well, and like we have to wrestle with the fact of like why Easter exists, but now it's also the bunny holiday. Like well, what's going also, on in yeah, there? Like does the, does the does, bunny is know Jesus does the, in there? Well, cause the Santa doesn't seem to have a working relationship <laughs> with our Lord and savior. No. So like, what is, what's the Easter bunny doing back? Like Easter is, I mean, I guess they're both pretty dependent on, <laughs> jesus for their like origin point yeah isn't there a thanksgiving mm. world too i think there is but anyway to your point i think you're t- i Do you think totally... the, the non-religious worlds don't really get the religious yeah, ones they Do you think that they, there's always a lot of tension there <laughs> the the non-religious worlds are always like why so serious um, <laughs> to your point i totally agree that there is power in like the seeing just the tip of the iceberg and constructing your story such that you don't have to dive any deeper. Mm-hmm. And, and it sounds like this, this world kind of the way that McGuire gets away with it too, is to just say like, there's all of this stuff happening. Like I couldn't possibly show you all of it. Well, cause you meet like the 16 kids and yeah. they all have a world that they come from, but, but you, get an like the the two big class there there are four big classifications there is um there is logic which is for like regimented worlds with like rules and like mm. stuff that happens and then there are nonsense worlds which are like <laughs> like the one we're made, in am it I just right? made me it just made whoa getting political <laughs> it made me think of the um like the the candy go-kart racer world in Wreck-It Ralph Okay. Have you seen yes. Wreck-It Ralph? Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's just all like, you know, bunnies and rainbows and Care Bears and all this. Like, it's nonsense is what okay. it is. Okay. And then the other two axes are are wicked and virtue. And, and I guess think of these not as four mutually exclusive, like places on a, on a map or a graph, but more as like a D&D character alignment chart where you could... 
like they talk about logic worlds, but then they also talk about like high logic and like high wicked. Like there, there are definitely, there are degrees. And then you can also be in like a logical virtuous world or a, like a wicked nonsense world. You know, it's very like lawful evil sort of. Yeah. Like one of those like axes where like, are you in, you know, like a Cartesian plot. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, and it plots you. I think the one I saw the most recently was for baseball, actually. And it was like the axes were how good the team was versus how long it takes them to play a game of baseball. Oh, yeah, and was, the Phillies mm-hmm. were like super long and not very good. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was before our. Uh, that's before we stopped losing games. Before so. we before we fired the bad man. Yeah. <laughs> to fire that bad man. We fired that bad man and we um, started winning baseball do, games. How well understood are the worlds and who is there to understand them? I mean, we so the the per, the like the head mistress of this school um is like they're just like a couple people who are in charge of this in, entire thing. Okay. And, <laughs> <laughs> and both of them are people who have like direct experience with these worlds. But I mean, most people only really know the world that they were in. Mm. And then you start sort of mapping out what the worlds are like by talking to a bunch of people about them. And there's still like, it's clear that people's understanding of just like the broad categories of world. It's, it's still an evolving thing. This yeah. is, this is not like some, you know, ancient magic thing with, you know, that has this long history and everything sort of about it is sort of explored and and mapped out and known like it's, it's still a, still a live field. You know what I mean? I like that about it. Mm -hmm. And so what is the, how do I get into this school is, do I have to apply? Do they come find me? Well, so it's, it's sort of a, it's sort of both. So what happens with these, kids because they've been like it it is it's mainly communicated as a sort of trauma that they've they've gone through even though the the trauma usually actually is i was at a place where i fell at home and then i was torn out of it and not i fell out of the world into a bizarre magical mystery land and i the, i can't forget the things i've seen you know what i mean sure yes <laughs> like those two th- those are the two broad categories of of kid who i referenced earlier but we only really spend time with the the people who want to go back okay um what was your question my question was like how do they arrive at this School. Oh yes, 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 yes. So they they will come back and they will have like they will be super upset and they will not know how to deal with their parents or their family members or school or other people in the world or anything. Like they'll they'll come back with maybe like a collection of what would be perceived as as ticks or like you know things that would register as neurodivergent to a sure sure. And the parents usually out of a sense of like caring but also like what do because I do? they don't understand what's going on you know um they will be looking for help to like make to help their kid yeah, adjust sure. or to like to process whatever trauma that they went through that you know the parent thinks is is keeping them from being a quote normal person sure um and 
So, you know, parents go looking for that help and that is when they find this school. And most of the time the kids end up going to the school to get like quote fixed. Even, even the people who run the school are not like, it is not a Harry Potter thing where they're like, yeah, actually there's a world of magic that you're a part of now. (laughs) Okay. It's, it's like, yeah, we're going to help your kid and we're not going to try to convince you that they actually went to a magical realm through a little door that they found in the, in their bedroom. But they're not like, Hey kid, it never happened. Welcome yeah, to right, real right. life school. Like yeah, they're no, they, honoring they don't, who the kid they don't is. do that. They okay. don't do that. And maybe that's a, maybe that's a, a, uh, technique that they use the other school. But again, we never sure. see that other school. We only hear about it. Okay. Um, the, the thing I, cause McGuire doesn't hold the, like doesn't think that the parents are being bad people for wanting to do this. The way that she describes it as, um, of Nancy, she says their love wanted to fix her and refused to see that she wasn't broken. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so that's, that's sort of the dynamic. And I thought that was a nice way to put it. Um, so yeah. So Nancy comes to this school, she's a new student and she meets, she starts meeting other people. Uh, she meets, uh, Cade, who was in a, who is trans, who is in a fantasy world, um, as a princess. But when the people in the fantasy world, well, wait, wait, wait. in the fantasy world as a prince, Mm. but when the people in the fantasy world found out that biologically Cade was, you know, had been born female, kicked him out (laughs) of of the world and will not let him back. And Mm -hmm. so that like, like making, pretty like literal yeah the experience of of you know losing loved ones or family members or a home because of because of transitioning um we meet uh Jacqueline and Jillian who go by Jack and Jill they're twins their parents had a sense of humor about it i guess <laughs> and they were they were part of this like this world of like mad science and and monsters and one of them wanted to wanted to stay and one of them didn't okay uh, which of them was which is core to the books like mystery such as it is sure um we meet uh sumi who is in a nonsense world and is very like fast talking and and rainbow dressing and very like manic manic pixie dream girl i guess for lack of a better okay yeah term. she's out there <laughs> yeah okay um and yeah, we just, we meet these these other kids th- through meeting them. We learn more about you know the the logic and the nonsense and the whatever. Um, and we just we keep getting examples of things that these worlds like do to people. Like one person is aging in reverse because she was getting too old to be in the world that she was in. And this is a, like a thing that happens to Narnia kids is they get too old and then they can't come back. She was getting too old. So she decided she was going to de-age herself and it kind of was botched. And then she got kicked out of the world anyway for breaking the rules by trying to. And so now she's like aging. She's de-aging by a week for every month that passes. And so she's like an, an old, wise teacher lady but she's also got the body of an eight-year-old whoa and we just keep you know you just you get little vignettes like that and then yeah. you you get like there are a couple of 
group that like there are just a bunch of like classroom and group therapy and like one-on-one conversation scenes that I wish we got more of that we just don't get to see mm. a whole lot of including one where the kids are getting really mad about like C.S. Lewis because he wrote <laughs> this portal fiction book, but he didn't actually do it himself. And he was just getting a bunch of it wrong and like making it up and <laughs> profiting off of it. And it made everybody really mad. I like that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, okay. So I didn't realize then that some of the, so some of the portal, whatever like magically happens can come back like it's like the woman who's aging backwards yeah i I had mentioned that with with respect to like how old the the kids were when they came back like like the the way time passes but yeah putting what the book is pointedly not interested in doing is being like did it really happen because like obviously there like one kid was went to a skeleton world and has it still has a skeleton flute that he can play and make skeletons like get up and do stuff Dope. in the real okay. in the real world Great. so like clearly the, the the worlds are real real the magic is real some kids sometimes get to go back most don't mm. so the the school is very much about telling people to to the extent that they need to hear it you know you might go back but we need to what we want to do is like prepare you to for that never to happen and just to kind of help you cope with that. Okay. Sure. Um, in a community of people who have all had a version of that experience. Yeah. 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 Even though, you know, there are again, another thing we don't get to see a ton of, but that we get hints of is, you know, there are clicks, there are, Mm. you know, sometimes people from nonsense worlds have a hard time hanging out with people from logic worlds. They just kind of don't get each other. Yeah. Um, that, that kind of thing. Um, so I mentioned there's one other like good representation thing that I wanted to mention. So we have Cade who's, who he is trans. The book makes a point of saying the school is almost all girls because boys are too loud and too missable if they go missing and girls are like, just, they, they aren't valued as much. They aren't missed as much they're they're quieter so they're easier to lose in a in a weird portal where boys kind of have parents and other people hanging around them and and are louder and are <laughs> yeah <laughs> so it, it's it's just like th- there are some boys here um both Cade and some people who were born as boys um but it's mostly girls uh and so Nancy, who is our protagonist, who I mentioned, um, she also is asexual, which is brought up a few times and and it's, it's handled really well, I think, because she, I, I, I think this would make people feel seen because Nancy's experience is like, yeah, I like flirting and I like the like handholding and, and sort of the emotional parts of a romance. But my issue is that most people are not wired to want it to stop there mm. and they, and they don't get it when I don't want to do the the rest of it. Yeah. Yeah. And so she, she sort of strikes up a, you know, like a little crush on Cade who, who partly because of his own experiences seems to get where she is and, and what she needs. And again, book is very short. This doesn't fully develop into anything. <laughs> sure. But, it, <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's nice. 
Okay. It's just, cool. and it's, it's not like the point of anything. It's just, it's nice to see it in there. I think. Yeah. And, and it sounds like also the representation isn't, it is even within a very short book relative to what it's up to. It sounds like it is at least like acknowledging nuance in these experiences and like making them specific to these characters, which is yeah, often, yeah, I, like I more than so. just being like, you know, it's a trope. Here we go. It's a, you know. And it does, like, if I had one teeny tiny criticism of it, it does a couple of times feel like characters are are pausing and climbing up on a very small mm. platform and just, like, explaining their entire deal to people in a, but, in a way that I think could be, could, could read as, like, pushing an agenda or like do you know what i mean like yeah I, I, but honestly people have to do that to live yeah no they, so, they do yeah. they do they do so like i'm, I'm just you know no i i feel that i yeah. i guess my only my only and it's not even a criticism it's just like there were a couple times where it sort of hit me as as not as organic as it could have been but yeah. like mostly it's it's true to the it, it's true to the characters as they exist and it fits in with the book's themes about like you know what w- what is it about people that gets them drawn into these worlds in the first sure. place? Like, like what sense of not belonging in the quote real world is it that draws them into these fantasy worlds and then also keeps them from like reintegrating into the quote real world after they're back, you know? Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, and so it, it's all it's, very thematically, you know, and I, I, I do kind of like too that there is since some ramifications can come back through the portals, like, there is not as even though like you know you're it feels like there's some bleed between them even if it's not like as explored as as other stories would expl- would it kind of explore that like bleed between worlds thing mm-hmm. it's not like a hard and fast line and you're right it's not the book is never saying like that didn't happen yeah. it is part it's, of it's the reality it's more yeah it's it, i think it's more like say you go to Europe and you're in two different European countries, but they are more similar to each other than yeah. they are to America. And so there is a bit of like shared context there that people who had visited those countries could then come back and talk about. Does that make sense? Like that, that's, that's the sort of overlap that I think we're talking about. I once wandered off into the woods and got lost and then I was in Europe. <laughs> Happened to me. Mm-hmm. Is it, we're talking about Dracula again? <laughs> Oh no, Mary Poppins. <laughs> um, um, go ahead. Okay, so talk to me a little bit about the. There's a mystery that you alluded the mis- to. The mystery is that we bear, just once we feel like we have our feet under us, and like just barely, a kid turns up dead. Specifically, Whoa. Sumi, who is Nancy's roommate. Okay, uh, she is dead, and her hands were cut off. Ooh, and nobody really gets it, and it is it's very scary and they have to kind of alert the authorities and there's, and then the next night another kid dies and has their eyes plucked out of their head. And it's, it's all very, it all happens very fast. Like where uh, Harry Potter spaces out these big, like, you know, there, there is a evil presence running around the school, like doing mischief. Like it spaces it out a little bit more. This is very like, okay, we're like two thirds of the way through the book. You sort of have, a basis for Nancy. You sort of have met these other characters and just get a tiny bit about who they are and, and what their deal is. Okay. Now, bam, bam, bam. Here's some intrigue. Yeah. Okay. And 
because Nancy is from the underworld and because like Jack is a mad scientist and because whether conscious or not, people sometimes have bigoted thoughts about Cade because he is trans. Yeah, sure. Um, they are all in sort of an out, a, a, a creepy out group who oh, okay, yes, kids okay. start to whisper that, oh, maybe it was maybe it was them who did it. Like, so all of the setup of these characters to like delineate the ways in which they are unique. The the like the mystery is now saying like, well, all of you are suspects. Yeah, all of, okay. all of them are suspects. And and all the other kids in the school are worried that this like the closest thing they have to a home is going to get shut down and they're all going to get sent back to families who sometimes don't want them back. Yeah. Because, you know, because of these murders that are happening. Okay. That those Um, seem like good stakes for this issue. They are good stakes. It's just like very, so it is, it all happens very quickly there. So I mentioned the skeleton scene, right? Like Jack, the kids are asked to, help bury the body of one of the students because yeah. it's just like, that's the thing that Jack knows how to do. Like he worked in a mad, uh, she worked in a mad scientist lab. Yep. <laughs> and so she knows how to do this. Um, so melts the acid off of the, with acid melts the like soft tissue off of this dead student. Like it's an episode of bones. Mm. And then uh, Christopher, the guy with the skeleton flute, comes in plays the skeleton flute and asks the skeleton, Hey, who killed you? And the skeleton. So remember Jack and Jill are twins. Remember, remember mm, this? Yes. Keep this in your mind. And so the skeleton points toward Jack, but it's like the skeleton's pointing next to her to the empty, the empty space next to her. Oh no. Bum, bum, bum. And, yeah. Bum, bum, bum. And like, I, to the extent that there was any suspense or like mystery to this little bit of the story at all, completely out the window. Obviously, it's about obviously the twin is doing it. Yeah, sure. But yeah, so the the twist is that you know Jack had told Nancy and friends before that you know Jill was the the one who fit in and and wants to go back, and and Jack was sort of the one that was forced out. But really, it was like. Jill's master who she's so enamored of is like a vampire. And so she like went to the village and like killed somebody and sucked their blood. And then they got run out of town on a rail. Oh no. Because of her. And Jack had to go with her, even though Jack was like, you know, Jack was a mad scientist, but he was not like emphasis on the, on the science, like mad scientist (laughs) in the way that, in the way that somebody who understood like germ theory or like organ transplants would be a mad scientist. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. (laughs) You mad scientist. Yeah. I love the idea of a mad scientist introducing themselves and then saying emphasis on the scientist. Yeah. So, so it's, it's hinted a couple times throughout the book that, you know, the reason there's something about the the kids that gets them drawn to these worlds. And, you know, maybe it's they're good with their hands or they're good with their eyes or there's something, you know, about their personality or about, you know, just who they are that draws them in. And so Jill is trying to piece together the perfect person, just taking the best bits of a whole oh, bunch of people gross. and is going to use that as like a skeleton key no. to force back open the locked door to her world and go no, back. Thank you. Yeah. 
And so that obviously that doesn't happen. Well, <laughs> they no. save the day. Okay, good. And then just as you know, things are sort of getting back to what passes as normal and just as Nancy is sort of saying, you know, this is Cade who ends up being like the great, ne- great nephew or something of the, of the woman who's running the school. And she has her own deal. Like her door is still open, but it's a nonsense world and she got too old for it. So she's basically just running the school to help people out until dementia makes it so that she can go back to the nonsense world and not have her brain break from the nonsense. Whoa. Yeah. So that's a whole thing. Okay. But, um, Cade is like sort of taking up some administrative functions within the school. He is going to be running the school and Nancy's like, yeah, I, I have a good relationship with Cade and I can see my future now in the, in this world. Like I'm, I'm going to be helping him run this school and you know that it's it's not home but it'll be okay and and as nancy's sort of having this revelation she turns around and her door is, is back open and wow. she goes back in it and that's the end of the book um wow yeah so it's like i think in the context of me explaining it to you it probably i don't know that you get a sense of how sort of compressed and quick and and, and pat this feels because to explain a book in an hour, that's just like how plots yeah. end up sounding a lot of the time. But that, that was my main thing is I, I just wanted a little bit more like establishing of the school. I could have used a little more establishment of like the, the clicks and, and ag- antagonists and just like getting, getting a bigger roster of characters who then could be used you know, as, as launching pads for subsequent books. Yep. And it, there, there, there's some of it, but there's just not as quite as much of it as I sort of wanted there to be for as much as I liked the, the premise and, yep. and the setup that we do get. So, yep. yeah. Yeah. One, so. one person on Goodreads, Zoe said, um, it's a murder mystery with a complex fantasy element and multiple characters with unique backstories meaning that this book could have been easily double its current length and i'd still be asking for more i yeah, do think exactly mm-hmm. there, there's something interesting there's like a little it sounds like there's a tension between what we identified as like a an asset to a story like this where you can kind of nod to a portal and then not explain much more about it but then if you're going to introduce like characters that we want to invest in you do maybe want to spend a little bit more time with each of their portals and it sounds yes. like you you know you get it for like the three and a half main characters you've discussed but it sounds like you could maybe get more and still keep the book afloat without like bogging it down if it I were a so. and in particular like so nancy is roommates with sumi who's the first yeah who's yeah murdered for like a day or a couple of days okay and then you know suddenly nancy is part of this like Scooby-Doo crew of, of, mm. of outcasts who is like investigating this half very mystery. Bang. You know, it, yeah. it, it just, it feels, yeah, it, it just, it felt a little rushed. Okay. And that's, that's, that's the only thing. But there's like six more books to read. So there's, just- there's six more books to read. <laughs> I dug the premise a lot. Like the, the first like half or two thirds of the book in particular, just like, breezes by so fast because you just I just wanted to know it it was such an interesting take on 
this very like tried and true and tropey yeah. trope. It feels really fresh. It does. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so, so yeah, like definitely I enjoyed it. And and my only criticism is mostly in the, the like realm of plot and character development. It gets shortchanged a little bit. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, that's it. Andrew is, if they, if you could go through a portal, what world do you, what kind of world do you hope it would be? I mean, I'm a classic order Muppet, so yeah. it would have to be a logic world probably, but I've, it seems like logic worlds are often predisposed to being evil too. So I, you know, I would just want it to be like a good logic world. Okay. Where just people did like spreadsheets, I guess, <laughs> but like for good reasons. Yeah. Oh, I like it. You know, that's good. Using logic and, and tools to accomplish good things. Yeah. That was basically like the, the good version of working at wire cutter. <laughs> Uh, I think I would want to be in a world where I could like play games, but not just like video. Like I want to like kind of a little bit of chaos in the like we're coming up with games, we're making, we're having fun. It's like so not- you do you do kind of want to live in the go kart game from Wreck It Ralph? Yeah, because I feel like if you could get you could easily monkey's paw this and end up in like a squid game scenario no, no, thank you no, or no, no. the are you afraid of the dark episode where the kid gets trapped in the pinball machine I don't, no like, i don't want that yeah but you could find yourself that yeah very easily if you didn't specify exactly what you want no i so. want to go to a game world where like when we're done with a game we can like you know a, you know shake the etch-a-sketch and then we can like come up with a new game sure and like you want to of- live, you want to live in a quiet year, but like I a mean, happier version. Of I it, mean, maybe. yeah. If I if mm-hmm. I could live in a not apocalyptic quiet year, <laughs> <laughs> though, if I could go through a portal and it was just a cozy cabin where all my friends could play quiet year with me, that would also be cool. Yeah, that would be fun. Um, okay, thanks for telling me about this book, Andrew. Thanks for listening to me t- tell you about it. I love to listen. Um, send us an email. What do we want emails about? That the beginning of the show that we were asking just, about? Um, what you're doing when you listen to the show, usually. Yeah. And then also, you know, if you want to tweet at us what uh, what world, what kind of world you would like to go to. Yeah, sure. That'd be fun. That'd be neat. You can send us an email at OverduePod at gmail.com or hit us up on Facebook and Twitter at OverduePod. Thanks to Molly, Ethan, Noah, Ingrid, Rebecca, Ben, anybody else who reaches out to us using social media. It's got to be good for something, social media. Uh, thanks. <laughs> it's got to. <laughs> Just has it just to. has to be. Uh, n- thanks to Nick Larandis who composed our theme music. Andrew, if folks want to know more about the show, where do they go? Overduepodcast.com is our internet website up there. We have links to the books that we have read and the ones that we are going to read. You click those, you can buy the book from bookshop.org, which gives a sale to your local independent bookseller and then you get a book and then we get a cut and it helps defray our costs if you want to support us more directly we also have a patreon page patreon.com slash overdue pod you can get access to our discord server early access to bonus episodes and uh access to bonus episode streams that we record craig we've scheduled the the next one what's the what's the bonus episode book this month oh it's killing time it's star trek fiction yeah baby gonna get you to read some star trek i'm gonna have a lot of questions i can't wait 
to uh, answer every single one of them. I've, <laughs> yeah, I'll have to do a. I'll do have to do an inventory of what Star Trek I have watched. Like because I have the, watched Star Trek, the Darmok episode, and that's and that's it. And no. I guess Wrath of Khan, the movie. And I've watched. Well, I can do it right now. I know I've watched Trouble with Tribbles. Uh, one. And I've seen some other Next Generation, and I did see the Chris Pine movie, and. I'm sure I've seen a episode of Deep Space Nine because I'm yeah. familiar with Mr. Worf. Sure. I mean, Worf was on Next Generation, too. Well, so. yeah, but I know I know enough about him that he was on the other shows. So if you want to hear more conversation like this, <laughs> patreon.com slash pod. Cough, cough it up and get access to this early. Craig, yep. what are you reading for our next regular episode? I believe I'm reading Angels in America by Tony Kushner. Yep, that's right. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. Until we talk to you next time, try to be happy. was a headgum podcast or like one of those like diamond map things where you it's on that clear your clear your yep. thing and take that again <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> clear your instrument right what's going on back there <clears throat> i saw my reflection in the window and it scared me <laughs> <clears throat> i don't know that's never happened before <laughs> sorry it's like you're looking through a portal to it. Oh, my God. I thought something was wrong with the street layout.